podcast ain't played nobody. It's time to move out of the dorm. It's time to leave the classroom. It's time for the garage sale. I don't know of any other summer metaphors I can provide, Bill, but this is it. We're dragging all this to the curb. Either somebody's buying it or it's getting picked up. Okay. How much crap? Whatever crap you got, garage, closet, basement, it's out of here. We're done. Summer break, baby. <laughs> Dump it out. What do you got? Yellow Big Ten? Huh? You got a little uh, Big 12 power rankings? We're going to do those. All that crap's going on on the curb. Has any, I don't want to see it. Any, I don't want to see it. I don't care. You just got to get rid of it. Has any head coach of a Power 5 team uh, started tweeting about conspiracy videos or anything lately? Yep. This would be the time for that, too. Dragging it to the curb. It is clean out day. This is podcast name Play Nobody, your college football marriage of numbers and words. The robot Bill Connolly, SBN underscore Bill C, and myself at 38 Godfrey have been on a weird, we've kind of been on a pseudo break, but now we're about to go on a break break. Um, so accordingly, this show will be extra long as we tide you over um, and we'll come back after the 4th of July. We just, uh, we just finished up two weeks of canned episodes, themes, if you will. So we're going to run through every random thing that we've got left in the tank before I think the year actually ends. We've discussed this on the show before. I think I'm building steam in the culture, getting this idea going that this is the moment. This is the break right now, entering into the end of June and the beginning of July when things officially switch over. This is when the 2018 season will start, when we get back. Because I think everything else pushes forward towards media days, towards camp, towards probably strange headlines like a Hugh Freeze getting fired, right? Someone will resign in week two, but that's actually in the season. So we're, we're entering this different phase. It has been extremely quiet. Extremely quiet to the point where we're going to have to talk about Mike Leach and politics again as a news topic. <laughs> but this has been, Bill, an extremely quiet offseason. Most people think we're doing hashtag SPAPN every week because we really like to interact with our community. That's like 60% true, maybe sometimes 40, depending on the questions I get. There just hasn't been a narrative. I mean, I'm not going to complain even slightly about that. Like if we, okay. If we were to address the fact that there's been no narrative, what we mean by that is the following. We have not had a realignment. We have not had a major scandal. Because I don't know, outside of scandal like Baylor, what you get in the offseason that dominates the news cycle that isn't realignment. Can you help me with that? Well, if it's not realignment and it's dominating headlines, it's bad, basically. Uh, So we're not going to get realignment for at least another two or three cycles, all right? And so if we don't have that, I guess we should be grateful that things are quiet. Correct. I am extremely grateful because I remember a couple of summers ago uh, when a program that rhymes with uh, Taylor uh, really made things kind of frustrating for a little while in the offseason. And those types of storylines are really just no fun to talk about. They are, uh, you know, hell from an editing perspective. Uh, And basically, if we're spending a lot of time on something like that, on on football in broad terms, week to week uh, in, in May, uh, it's either something like that or somebody's gotten arrested or somebody tore an ACL and it's changed the national title uh, you know, perspective for the fall. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just no matter what, it's not going to be any fun to talk about. Very light amount of arrests, at least a, a, of notable college <laughs> football individuals. 
very, very light amount of weird coach drama, save for Leach. But I almost feel like that's an isolated sort of there, – there's like a different column on your list for just Leachian occurrences. Yeah. It has been quiet, and that's okay. We're going to run through all the crap we have. Then we're going to do a solid hour of Ask PAPN, and then that's it. Janitor comes tomorrow. Everything's getting thrown away. We'll see you guys next year. You ready, Bill? Let's do it. Before we do it, we have to plug a bunch of stuff. Um, obviously, I was on this little TV show, matter of fact, situation thing. I've been on a press tour. Bill's been off talking to coaches and going places. I've been sitting in my house in a total role, re- role reversal. I went to NPR the other day and taped yeah. a segment for All Things Considered. That was odd. You, What do you think the percentage of people I interacted with, both at the NPR facility in Nashville and on the other end of the ISDN line in Washington, D.C., what do you think the percentage of people that I interacted with actually have any idea what the hell I reported on? Because I'm going to go with a good 15. Well, they they had no idea until you came into their lives and now everybody is fully immersed and, right. and when you show up, when, you, when you show up in the lobby of an NPR affiliate station and you and you're like hey what are you here for and I was like oh, I've got an interview because that's how it works that's why those shows sound so good on public radio is because I'm not doing it from a, like a cell phone in a parking right. lot which is the normal MO for all the sports talk you're going in into a I believe it's an ISDN line which is just a fancy word of saying like a closed feed that goes directly from a member station to the to the studio i think all things considered is dc um fresh air shout out to terry gross is in philadelphia either way they get you to where it sounds like you're together you're not i was in a little little room in the dark talking into a microphone very calmly trying not to use my accent yeah, you get like a you, you have to wear a shot collar right if you actually speak above a certain volume you gotta it was weird you, man you get corrected they made me take a sound test too, where like I moved around different parts of the mic. It was like an ASMR thing. It was hilarious. Anyway, no one knew what the hell I was there for. Um, big shout out to NPR for having me on. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're one of our friends or colleagues in Sports Talk Radio, I mean, we love you too and everything. But also, like that, this is the that's your purview. Um, there is an entire culture of Americans that have no idea about college sports or college football, or especially the kind of topics that I cover. So when you get to you know crossover explain to 20 people on i-95 what the hell's going on down here in the redneck world it was, a, it was nice it was a nice moment um okay i gotta do this real real fast you can still go watch foul play paid in mississippi um i think the promotional push is like through august so i'm probably gonna have to hit this read again uh by going to go90.com you can download the go90 app um you can search pa, pa, da, foul play paid in mississippi or just foul play uh, a lot of you I appreciate have sent me screenshot evidence that you were streaming the show. Well, guess what you're going to do now? You're going to take the phone or the tablet or the laptop of a loved one or a colleague or, I don't care, someone that you mugged. And you're going to take their device and you're going to download the Go90 app again and you're going to stream it again. So I, now I appreciate all of you that sent the screenshots. You're going to do it again. Because this is a free podcast, and we give you nothing but free love and free community. Now it's time to pay up and free. I want you to go. I want you to go assault someone, take their personal device, and then download the app. Sound good? Can't wait for the executives to hear that. Bill, who who are you, who's a device are you going to commandeer to download Go Ninety for me? Well, I think my wife has already downloaded it. Uh, you know, no, because- no, no, your wife has to go out. Well, we both go to a Starbucks in Missouri. We both just walk over, snatch a phone off someone's table, and then they they, they're going to get the Go90 app. 
I mean, we, we both have parents nearby, so it won't be hard to get on about four. Yeah, but they're going to go do the same thing too. Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's another step down the road. So, I mean, right now we just have to worry about the next like degree of separation here. Uh, and then when we come back from break, then you can ask people to go to a third degree of separation. I think if you hand the phone back, or you take the phone, maybe someone gets up, goes to the bathroom at Starbucks. You take the phone, you download the app, you start streaming foul play paid in Mississippi only on go 90 and you give the phone back. I don't even think that's a misdemeanor. I think you're fine. I'm just saying. I'm not sure about that, but maybe. Bill and I's content is also over at the Athlon Magazine. The wonderful Athlon Magazine, by the way, this is volume 24. I still have it sitting right here on my desk to use as a reference. Uh, the college football preview, Bill and I's content spreads across both the national and the regional college football previews. Um, it is on stands now. It will be on stands all the way through the end of August. Go buy it. Go read our content. Go support Athlon. They are our kissing cousins over in the print journalism world. Well, thanks again, by the way, for Mitch to come on the show. Uh, we taped it a few weeks ago. Bill, did you notice anything about my performance during that show? You were crabby, but what else? I was really hungover. Huh. Badly. <laughs> if you go back and listen to that show, there's a point in which I start to ask – I don't remember what the question was. There's a, I'm trying to ask Mitch a question. We were having some shaky connection, connection issues. Shocking that an SB Nation podcast would have bad audio. Um, I start asking Mitch a question and my brain just says no. Except I keep talking because I know that I'm recording a podcast and we, we can't re, redo it or recut it. So if we screw this podcast up, Bill usually can go in and clean up or, or snip some things together. Because we were using three distinct audio feeds and one of, one of them, Mitch's, was causing us trouble, we just had to kind of run with it. So you can hear a painfully hungover Stephen Godfrey ask like two or three questions that don't actually make any sense. It's towards the end of the program. At least like once per radio gig, I end up like, basically if, if it's a question I don't really like, I spin it into something I actually want to say. Um, and then I try to tie in the question at the very end, but at least like once per radio hit, I will be in the middle of spinning something I, I, I'm, I think I want to say, or that I think is interesting. And then I completely forget what question I was asked. Um, and and so I just kind of stop. And so I'm I'm a great radio guest. You should have me on your program. In the past month of doing a promotional tour for Foul Play Paid Mississippi only on Go Ninety, um, I have done every I've done radio spots in every situation you can think of, with the exception of like actual running water in the shower, changing a diaper, driving, loading groceries, unloading groceries, driving with a three year old. Which is really, you can't control that, you know. There's no way you can get a, like a, a, a calm audio setting for that. Um, you know, depending on how much I like the show or how friendly I'm feeling like being, I will actually sequester myself in a quiet place with good cell phone reception. But if you call me to appear on your, on your radio show, it's like a 70% chance you're getting in a highly distracted human being in a noisy environment. Which is pretty much how I do my job anyway. That's how most Bill, people anything else? So it's fine. That's what I'm saying. It's and also like, come on, we're not exchanging nuclear codes. And when the segment starts and they go, well, Stephen, I know you went to Ole Miss. Do you really think this stuff happens anywhere else, like Michigan? <laughs> You're gonna get about ten percent effort after that. You know who is the most woke market 
Like who got who got the piece? Crooked letters got the show, got the whole zeitgeist, got the concept of what you and I talk about on this podcast. Omaha, Nebraska. I, was about, I, that, I swear to God, dude. that was about to be my guess. <laughs> that, was it really? Yes, yes. That was the the next word out of my mouth was going to be Nebraska. Those folks. There's a shit. There's a. I mean, I, I should shout them out honestly, since I'm doing this. And if let me check my old schedule here. I think, I'm, do, I think I'm doing Omaha radio later today or tomorrow. By the way, tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, I believe it's sixteen twenty. The zone. K O Z N. Yep. John Bishop and Josh Peterson. Uh, this was hands down the smartest radio interview I've done on the tour. Josh Peterson is good people. I don't know anything about them. Um, we just started funneling all the requests through the uh, the staff PR people at at, uh, at Vox Media, and I was doing like two or three a day, and I, I think I've got one later today. I just kind of as they come in for like a ninety day window, I'm kind of obligated to promote the show, which is fine. And they all run together and until they don't, until you have really good questions, really good conversations. So, I mean, shout out to Omaha. They get it, man. They really get it. I don't, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's just because those two cats happen to be particularly informed or they're just on the same kind of wavelength that we are at SB Nation. Or I would like to think maybe it's, maybe they represent a larger cultural um, understanding that goes on. And maybe that has something to do with Nebraska football. I'm saying, I don't know. Yeah, let's not go that far, but um, they they are definitely at that at that station very SBN ish. They are uh, honorary SBN uh, there at the at the zone. Well, it was funny because we kept tying things into like the way the Huskers were, the way the Huskers are, the way the situation is. You know how sort of the, the brutal truths of recruiting, and when you think about the brutal truth of recruiting, you know there's a paradigm that's Ole Miss or um, Baylor or. I don't know, any of these schools that have had scandals that recruited well, you know, as you always say, like a usurper, right? Um, I'm trying to think, like, if you were to pick a traditional power, traditional in my finger quotes, whatever, like, really, Nebraska is a cautionary tale of the modern age. The realignment, the anger towards uh, Texas in the Big 12, ending up in the Big 10, and and just the brutal reality of maintaining a particular expectation at one level when not having and just not having those resources around you in your home state. I don't know, dude. Maybe I'm paying way too much into it, but they do. They got it. It was crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> you, and, and I mean, like I'm, we're sitting here, you know, humble bragging here. Like all the times we've been on the radio and it's blah, 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 blah. But you do notice when uh, somebody kind of has their act together. Uh, normal average radio is is perfectly fine, but then you mm-hmm. get an, you get a, a Josh Peterson, you get a Dusty Dvorak in Oklahoma City. He's always been really good on the radio. Um, and honestly, like the first people way back when, when I started randomly doing these things, the the the, the first really imp- just it, first impression of just wow, these guys know what they're doing and they they did some research. Solid verbal. First time I did solid verbal when I really hadn't even heard of Dan and Ty and they'd barely heard of me. Um, they like, they blew me away with their prep. Uh, it was, it was a very enjoyable radio experience. So I'm sure on the rare times that we have guests, we do not leave that impression. I'm wearing but, a solid verbal t-shirt right now. Hell yeah. That green one. Um, I've, I've thrown it up shirt. on the gram before. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's an ideal summer rotation shirt. If you work from home. All right, Bill. We got a long show ahead of us. Yeah, we've already killed fifteen minutes. A lot minutes. of topics ahead of us. Um, did you see the trailer for Last Chance You? I did. What do you think? 
Uh, I mean, it looks like last chance. It was, uh, it, what was funny is, you know, we, we put that up on our, on our, on our website, espionation.com and, um, it explodes like the, the, the number of, the number of page views that the entire website was getting basically doubled instantaneously, uh, because everybody is into it. Um, I, 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 it, it looks like a last chance you, that head coach looks very, uh, exactly the type of personality you want running this, uh, type of show. Uh, and by the way, uh, any, if you're listening to this within the next 24 hours, I am speaking to him uh, tomorrow. I believe his name is Jason Brown. Yes, Jason Brown of Independence Community College. I'm speaking with him tomorrow for a quick Q&A piece. Uh, if you, whatever you guys are interested in, uh, in terms of the JUCO universe, um, I'm going to ask him some basics about the show, obviously, and the impact it had and all that. But I'm also just really – JUCO football is a fascinating – thing when you talk about like the same programs being good every year but you have to create a system that can be retaught from scratch every single year because you have almost no continuity uh, and you have to recruit a ton of guys every single year uh it's a really interesting universe that it's football but it's different and it's weird uh and the the guys who do it really well i'm very fascinated with so i'm looking forward to speaking with him but if you guys have any questions to throw his way i'm curious what you guys think too so uh you know pass it along why do you think it's it does this? Why do you uh, what is it about the show, especially now where they've abandoned the, the cast of characters that people have, mm-hmm. have come to relate to? I, I don't I'm a little shocked it does so well. I'm kind of glad it does because it, it is about as honest a portrayal of of like college athletics as you can get. But it, it, I think it's very it. well made. I'm not trying to backhand it like it's very well made. They do they do a really good job of like isolating individual characters. They, I liked the fact that. The thing that I love the most about the show, obviously having spent a ton of time in Mississippi, was not the location, but was they immediately in that very first episode, first season, they they really go into academics. They immediately went into the the counseling side, the eligibility, the Brittany girl, whatever woman name, she doesn't work there anymore. But um, it looks like they're doing the same thing again this year because community college is a device and a structure that's necessary to help a lot of people maybe attain the first degree in their family maybe finish a degree for football it is an unabashed factory and and they're really honest about that yeah i mean i think that's that's it it's it's a combination of being really really well made and edited um you know that's a really good team uh, that that they have working on that show but then also it is a naturally interesting topic because you do get yeah, well, I mean, because the academic advisor side of things, because you're going to you're going to get people who are quote unquote on their last chance, and that always makes for very interesting television. And I mean, I, yeah, I, I think it's just a a, a perfect uh, top subject matter, and it's funny because we forget about it, kind of. I mean, we 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 don't really think about how interesting it is. So I'm really happy. I would have never thought to make a show about it, but it makes perfect sense once you see it. Um, and so yeah, I just think it's a perfect marriage of. Um, uh, of, of subject matter and a really good editing team uh, that they have to to put it all together. Is it possible? I don't even want to speak this into into truth. Not that I can speak things into truth, but, or speak this into into the into the ear of anyone listening who has this kind of power. That we end up maybe a couple years from now. Let's say Last Chance U is able to work past the East Mississippi Community College storyline, and there's a appetite for this as well as an appetite for the actual athletes in the plays. Because one of the things like people slept on was like the East team was really good and really fun to watch. It was crazy fun football, right? Yeah. 
Do you think we're ever airing these these games anywhere? It's on a Thursday night. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting thought because there's always room for more football on, on television as long as you want, you're willing to steer off of uh, Saturday. I mean, the first thing I'm thinking about right now is Stadium, which is the Facebook right, right. partnership. I mean, it's low interest, but niche. I think it would carve out like if you're yeah, if you're if you're just looking for something that has a niche audience, I think you would the college football hardcores and, and then just the people with you know skin in the game. I think you could find a decent sized niche audience for that kind of thing. And the XFL coming back, this is. Yeah. A far more sound product than that. It's just a thought. Like I, I mean, I'm serious. It's just a thought. Um, yeah. The, so the new coach uh, is interesting portrayal. Obviously, they, they there are a couple of blatant reality TV show scenes that I saw the way yeah. it was like structured and shot in the trailer. But that's fine because the I think the thing that inoculates Last Chance U from the ills of reality television is that you can't fake the games. And you can't fake what happens in the games. You can't right. fake the impact of the games. And so you can stage a lot of stuff in reality television, and I've seen it done. Um, but this is this is something that inherently has truth to it. There's a result yeah. to the season. Coaches are going to get hired or fired regardless of this television show. And these kids are you know, either going to make it back to D1 in a lot of cases or to D1 or not. So I think yeah. um, – you know, the dude jumping in the hot tub talking directly to me, like, come, like that, that, that's a little, uh, what's that stupid show my sister in law watches? That's some Vanderpump rule shit there. But, um, you know, the game is the game. And, the, and uh, oh, I was going to ask you this. Um, in our, in our post at SB Nation, there's, spo- there, there are spoilers. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, did you, when you were watching seasons one and two, did you try and prevent knowing what happened? Because obviously these shows come out after the fact and we know, whether these kids like where these kids end up if they end up anywhere and what the actual results of those games are honestly i've kind of given up on like we were talking about infinity war spoilers before i'd even seen it like i think at some point not going in not knowing what happens i i just don't care about it anymore so yeah i was absolutely wow. keeping up with uh i realize i'm in the minority here but yeah i was like watching first season i absolutely hopped onto emcc's website to figure out okay what happens here and which games did they wait a second how did the end of the season go if they won all their games and then somebody below them so i absolutely read about it before i saw it and i just i think that's because i mean that's the way i watch sports at this point like obviously if i'm watching uh, on a saturday and it's live that's one thing mm-hmm. but i record like however many games i can possibly record i inevitably know the outcome before i watch those games i'm just trying to keep piece together after the fact okay well what how what actually happened or how, how did this go come about and I'll, I'll watch it knowing the result i think that's just blended over into the way i watch tv overall I'm telling you, man, I'm excited to be at less games this fall. I know that seems counterintuitive for my job, but I'm excited to be, you know, in, in a place at home with the TVs and the, the laptops and stuff to be able to ride the wave with everybody because I, I miss that so much more than uh, unless I'm working on a very specific story, you know, a, a particular feature, particular profile or whatever embed, like just covering a game to me, like you lose so freaking much, man. Mm-hmm. it's just so much more fun like you're watching stuff after the fact because you have to but you also are sort of aware of those things happening in the moment in other words let's say texas and west virginia are playing but you're watching some sec game as well as some big 10 game you you, you know like you're in front of a television when they cut over in the highlights and the clips so it's not like it's you're not really spoiling it for yourself right you're in front of a television as those things happen you just meant might not be able to watch that game at that moment and knowing right. you you probably 
if it's a you know typical big 12 51 50 finish <laughs> you're gonna flip over at the very end anyway right it's gonna end after all the other games end yeah yeah that's true that's true as well um yeah i think i'll watch um i did not finish season two and i think i think a new location in a new school and new people um it's definitely something i will give a shot to the um the streaming market is so clogged right now by the way watch uh foul play paid in mississippi on go 90 um there's just too much content out there right now especially in the streaming space and um i've adopted a rule for stuff that i watch my wife and i have adopted a rule where it's just like it's totally okay to check in on a pilot and then maybe a second episode and if you're not feeling it just walk away yeah you know like rather than burn eight nine more hours because I have two kids under four. I have a job. Like I, I got stuff to do. Um, I will definitely give. I will definitely give the pilot. I, I guess you'd call it a pilot since it's kind of a new deal. Uh, episode one. I'll give it a shot for sure. Whereas, yeah. like I thought, for whatever reason, season two kind of tapered off. Yeah. No. I think the most you can stay in one place is two seasons because at that point you do know. At that point, you know the the main characters. Obviously, the players are going to change. But yeah, I think you need to be getting to know the coach, getting to know the academics people. I think that's part of the process. I think uh, you could never stay more than two seasons and really, and at some point, I mean, I'm curious how long this lasts, how many different schools they go to, how long they can keep it fresh. Because like, I mean, like you said, they, they have an advantage over the real world or whatever uh, in that you, you do have real results that you're, you're uh, playing to or playing for, I should say, mm. but it's still like from a TV show standpoint, you still want to introduce new things each season uh, and new plot twists and new narratives and all that. And I don't, we'll see how long they can keep that up uh, without getting a little silly about it. Um, But I mean, you know, real world lasted about four seasons before it got silly and and we'll see if they can outdo that. Hey Bill, speaking of silly and obvious shoehorns transitioned, uh, about that Mike Leach. (laughs) All right, we'll go with that. He's going to get fired. He's not going to get fired for, look, he's not going to get fired for putting up a, I haven't even seen the video, but one of the benefits of working with our managing editor, Brian Floyd, who was on two episodes ago, um, is that I'm going to hear the Wazoo news as it happens. Um, I don't need to watch the video. I don't care. Um, it's, this stuff lives and breathes on info wars and daily coasts. And I mean, like pick, pick your flavor of political extremism. And there's some crackpot YouTube theory out there about how, you know, there's genocide from one president or prime minister or another. What? I don't care. Um, Mike Leach is going to get fired. I'm only, I can only start this conversation operating from spaces in which I have knowledge and certainty. He's going to get fired for football things. Okay. I was about I to say, like, that, what time right? frame are we talking about here? I think he's going to get fired for football things. What has what is going on right now and him fighting with fighting with media people and him uh going back and forth and 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 almost sort of re-editing his bizarre crap on the fly and embarrassing himself and all that like it, this is all not even window dressing. It barely makes the window sill. He is in a he's in an unwinnable situation for Mike Leach. And he was sort of dead before the season was over last year because there's a there's a perfect confluence of events that mirrors kind of how things ended at Texas Tech. And the bottom line is this. He's going to get fired. It's going to be for football reasons. And then that's going to be it. We're done. Yeah, this I cannot see him taking another power. I, I will say with 110 percent certainty, he doesn't end up in another power five job. And I don't know if he would tolerate being 
at a G5 job unless it was a very sort of unique type of situation. I think he and I can't think of one up I think he could, you know, whether he goes down to G5 or FCS, I think I could see that. But I will ask you this. What if Kansas's athletic director isn't really sold on Willie Fritz, wants P5 experience, and he's Kansas, and it's Big 12, and uh, he has a chance to hire a guy who's been basically like the best <sighs> coach of the last 10 to 15 years at two different schools. Like that – I, I, I think it's a really good question, Bill. I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a really scary type of move to make because I mean, we now understand what, what a Mike Leach product looks like. We now understand the ceiling, the floor and the, and the expiration date. And I don't know if you're Kansas in which you're trying to establish God, what are you trying to establish at this point? Well, Competency. I mean, a, a pulse, and we know he would do that. Like that's he, it is guaranteed that he could uh, he he will find a pulse at a given school. Now in the Big Twelve, where everybody's doing kind of the same thing, or that's a generalization. But I mean, it's not going to be his offense is not going to be a surprise in the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, maybe that's a little different. But um, but also, I mean, we're talking about whatever. I you know, I I, I it's kind of funny. So Missouri had this um, a softball coach. Uh, named Aaron Earlywine, who just came, broke out of the gates, uh, went to three straight women's college world series, had a bunch of really good teams, basically like w- would, would jaw with every single coach, got into an email spat with Missouri state's head coach at one point um, that he got reprimanded for. He got reprimanded a few times. Uh, he was acting out and he, you know, he would go out of his way to say, I'm not politically correct. I, I, I you know, old bird or, you know, whatever. Um, it's great when you're winning in the moment, it, but it basically eliminates any sort of leash so the moment you start stop winning as much it goes from charming and fun to this guy's not worth it anymore um and so i kind of understand basically what i always said about early wine though at rock m nation was that we know how the marriage is going to end we just don't know when it's going to end and that's kind of the same thing with me here i know i think what uh wazoo has a new athletic director right uh Yes, so it was one of the things I sorry we started we started ranting. We kind of went in it. We, we jumped Washington State. Here, here's the situation: in Washington State, they're underwater financially. They lost the athletic director who hired him. They lose a ton of personnel. They are watching their in-state rival become a, a, a stalwart, perennial, yep, national title contender. Um, he's out. He's done. No way. I don't. Know. We'll see. I mean, I, I mean, again, yes, eventually, but I'm not like, I'm not going to guarantee. Keep in mind all of these, all the, all of these little mitigating leechisms, leech, leech occurrences, make it so much easier to fire him for a football reason. Right. Or, it just takes away your leash, basically. Like, it, 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 you don't get a mulligan uh, or as many mulligans. I don't think he had much of one before he decided to t- tweet out, you know, Obama conspiracy yeah, videos. I think he has been, even less like, of one now. He, they were so bad when he got there. And they, like, yes, they, they haven't, you know, Washington get, becoming really good is a problem, but he's won nine, eight, and nine games the last three years. Let's not pretend like that's like, like he's going six and seven or barely eking out bowl bids. They've had good seasons. They finish them poorly every year, uh, you know, losing into Washington and then they've got they've played horribly in two straight holiday bowls um but that's not the same thing uh so I mean, it's it's not like he's just barely surviving here he's got some rope it's just he's using the rope uh and it's just a question of like by, by the end of 2018 has he used all of his rope or not so I don't, I don't want to 
like just m- make this sound like it's fait accompli, but it's absolutely possible that if he only goes like four and eight, if they start losing a bunch of close games because they had to restart because their offense is basically starting over and their defense doesn't have Alex Grinch or Hercules um, to bail them out anymore. Sure. Like it, it's possible that they go four and eight and the head coach and the athletic director, uh, Patrick Chun decides, you know what, this isn't worth it. Let's just start over. Um, but I, if it, especially if it ends quickly after like one bad season, I, I could in, in a place like Kansas where they're desperate and you know, the politics really aren't going to play all that poorly, <laughs> which I mean, they're probably not going to play all that poorly in Eastern Washington either. This Kansas thing has broken my mind. It was an extremely good question because I can't dismiss it outright, nor can I, nor can I endorse it. So it's just you've you've given me an earworm for the off season. So I appreciate that. Uh, we are backloading all the questions to the second hour of the show, but at that Gambrel guy has something yeah. related directly to this yeah. topic. So I'll slide this one in. He says, "So, uh, Mike Leach's Twitter. Yeah. Anyways, it seems like there might be a large political divide between, I assume, conservative coaches and more liberal, liberal players." Does this ever cause problems in college football, or is it a taboo topic in the locker rooms? Uh, you're dead on, Jacob. It's always um, existed. It does cause. It, it's always existed. Uh, the overwhelming majority of um, of Division One, hell for that matter, Division Two, uh, college football coaches are conservative. Um, there are some. There are some progressives out there. There are some liberals out there. There are some. Really, I think there's a care. growing trend. <laughs> There's a lot of that. I think there's a, there's also a growing tr- trend of moderates and progressives, um, and and there's a you know there are some hardline uh, conservatives I've run across. Um, I would say it's like conservative to uh, you know center right would be the yep. base setting, um, which you know given the socioeconomic and you know race gender makeup that kind of makes sense. Yeah, fifty five year old um, white males. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the political thing is different. Um, I, I don't know if I've come across a lot of moments of free political expression, say, for what happened at Missouri a couple of years ago. And and I, I really thought Pinkle very smartly embraced the players in that moment. And I think you're seeing I think you're seeing in bigger moments more agency amongst the players when you can't ignore it. You can't stamp it out. You can't hide it. You can't have a preseason meeting about it and then sort of whisk it away. So that's good that the players are finding more of a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the friction goes, yeah, there's a friction, but um, the locker room culture, it, I, I can't really think offhand of like a, a large scale political debate that divided a locker room. If a locker room is divided to their problems, it's because of football things, right. usually. Right. If you're winning, it, you don't, everything, you know, just goes. If you're losing, maybe that contributes. To, maybe that makes things like 5% or 10% more fractured than they already were. But if you're winning, it probably doesn't even slightly matter. No. All right, Bill. Less miles. We're going to jump back to Mike Gundy to Oklahoma State because you've got Big 12 power rankings. Mm-hmm. So I've got to I've got to map my transitions in advance. Wow, so I'm going to do the jarring one first. Right? This is what we call organized on this show. Do it to a point. I mean, let's not get crazy. Um there was we we hit on this at SB Nation. A couple other sites hit on this. Um, it, it's definitely living in the SEC LSU uh, social corner right now. Les Miles, uh, our headline was Les Miles sounds like he's voicing some frustrations with Ed Orgeron's LSU. So this has become sort of a stinky thing. Um, let me skip to the actual quote that he gives. 
Okay. He was, he was interviewed and this was on a radio show kind of talking about the state of the program and um, his opinion about particular players. Obviously there's still a lot of miles players around on Orgeron's roster. Uh, first, he was asked about LSU recruiting. LSU's recruiting. Quote, the guys I know that were recruited by the staff before the staff recruited some really good players, Miles said. Let me pause right there. The staffs aren't dramatically different at all. Right. I mean, Orgeron retained a large majority of Miles' guys, so there really can't be much of an us-them divide. Quote, I mean, you watch that middle linebacker play. You watch those defensive linemen play. There was some good recruiting that was done. <laughs> he has just a, such a mastery of a unique passive voice, but go ahead. What a weird patois. Um, he then went on to reference an April quote from or- or- uh, Orgeron, who asked LSU fans uh, for, quote, patience as the offense developed under a uh, new OC, Steve Insminger. Also, by the way, another last miles hire. Quote, I guess what I'm saying is that I never accepted the feeling of, hey, you need to have patience, Miles said. Quote, when you say that you need to have patience, aren't you really just saying that your team is not good enough? Because I want you to know something. I never took the field with the Tigers where I didn't think that I was absolutely going to kick somebody's tail and that we were the best team, period. Then he goes on. He really doubles down on this. This is, I think, where the, it really starts to irk some people still in power in Baton Rouge. It took me some time during the week to get myself in a position where I said, yeah, okay, we got him. We got the plan. The plan is we're ready to play, Miles continued. That took some time, but I never asked to, quote, give me a break here, in quote, in, in quote inside a quote. Yes. I, don't know, I guess I'm saying quote. Hey, listen, the Tigers are good. The Tigers got good players. The Tigers can play. Dude, his, his, it's amazing how his brain works. Hey, you know what? We didn't make any mistakes. You guys are going to play your butts off this Saturday, and you're going to kick the living hell out of the opponent, and that's, that's not the way it is. Certain people need to have a safety net, Miles said as he started to raise his voice. If you need a safety net, you need to not coach for the Tigers because the Tigers are your safety net. They're the winningest, toughest group of men I've ever been around. <sighs> okay. Where do we begin? Uh, well, t- let's begin with the fact that he's, I mean, of course he's going to be bitter because he got fired and he didn't want to be fired and he thought he was doing a pretty good job. And he was. Um, and then his replacement is asking for patience in a situation where he probably never really felt like he was getting patience. Um, so, uh, you know, just from a pure like empathy standpoint, yes, I understand exactly why he's saying what he's saying. We can, w- whether he should be saying it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if he's kind of accepting the fact that he's never going to be a P5 head coach again, then, I mean, you can say whatever the hell you want. It makes for good radio. But um, that's that's where, like, if I know why somebody is is thinking the way they do, I try to forgive them if I disagree with them. I love how catty all this stuff is because it's all – you could take that entire quote and you could bend it in ever so slightly and turn it into a criticism specifically of Miles' last four years in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Because preparedness is not something I associate with a less miles LSU team. Schematic advantage or schematics is not something I associate with a less miles LSU team. Now, the bottom line is this. You can't get around this. Ed Orgeron and the Matt Canada situation was bad for Ed Orgeron. It, it was bad, bad for LSU. And, and the please uh, and the asking for patience in the spring when you brought in the coordinator that the fans have already seen and we kind of know what he wants to do. We we've already seen it 2 years ago. Like that was a that 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 made me those are things that I, 
I, I hope I've said it before. I hope Edo succeeds. I'm not extremely optimistic. And those are kind of the th- reasons why I'm not extremely optimistic. Um, and so it does kind of like when you see certain quotes, you're like, Oh man, I, this is not good, but they are just quotes. Um, and he still has a chance to get things together on the field. Probably as we discussed with Mitch from Athlon last week, it, it's going to be tough for him to get his act together ne- this coming year. There are uh, plenty of question marks in a tough division, but <laughs> That's going to that's gonna end up meaning more than anything else is can he do things that Les Miles could do on the field? I'm not optimistic he will, but that's it doesn't really – this little word – this uh, wordplay game in the offseason won't really matter. Uh, that was still a terrible quote, and it did not fill me with confidence. No. Uh, I think I, I am now firmly convinced that LSU and Auburn are the – just doomed to be the craziest and most unrealistic and, and angriest of fan bases in the Saban era. I don't know if they're ever going to find peace. I don't know if it's ever going to stop. I don't know, you know, had, had LSU hired Tom Herman instead had Auburn, I don't know, fired Malzahn and brought in Jimbo. I don't know if there would be any change in, in the temperature of those fan bases until Nick Saban is gone. I just yep. think those two fan bases in particular have lost their damn minds now. Well, and that's, and actually we'll jump in with another, um, ask PAPN question right here is a Saban or we'll get to, we, we got other Saban ors we'll get to, but somebody, uh, an Auburn fan, our friend, Josh Booker, I believe he's an Auburn fan. Yes. Uh, Auburn university alum war Eagle in his bio. Um, he says like Saban or Saban national championships or Gus Malls on bowl wins. The, the insinuation being, I guess, I, I read sarcasm there and just that like Gus Malzahn stinks and he doesn't win bowls and, and what are we doing here? Um, Gus Malzahn's a good coach uh, in any universe besides the SEC West and the state of Alabama. Gus Malzahn is a really good head coach, uh, but he's not saving. It's just such a doomed enterprise because if you're Gus Malzahn, you recognize the, the corner you've been put in. You could, you, he could have left. He definitely could have left after this past year, right? Beating Alabama, going to the SEC championship, you know, all he could have left. He could have gone to another program. He could have gone to Arkansas. But where do you go to prove everyone wrong where you're going to get the same caliber of players? You're going to get the same level of resources than Auburn. There's like, there's like 10 or 12 other jobs in the country that are comparable. And they don't have openings, right? You're not yep. going to Georgia. You're not going to USC. You're not going to, you know, Penn State or Ohio State. It just doesn't you, – you, you kind of have to – you're stuck. You kind of have to ride that out. I think that's why Malzahn was never particularly serious about Arkansas. That was the one rumor last, last cycle that I think got pushed the most because it was people's assumption and not, right. and not their actual informed – you know, right. it, I, they weren't, I, I getting, they weren't getting was, that as a tip. They were they were proffering that as an assumption. It was like an assumption slash wish. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think there was even one percent reality in that. But it was just something like they were trying to will to happen. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange indeed. Um, it's not going to get better. Uh, it, it could get interesting um depending on how else she shakes out those first couple games of the season um i i don't know if 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 orgeron is would be in a situation where he got fired if they lose the miami that's ridiculous but right if they lose 68 to nothing or something but they're not going to you know they start the year one and three he might be 
Um, Let's see. So but, they've got they got Miami first, and they got Southeast Louisiana. But yeah, they, in, not including that one, you get Miami, then at Auburn, and then home games against Louisiana Tech and Ole Miss. Yeah. So if they're anything, if they're three and two, people will be pissed off. Um, but if they're two and three, uh, oof. that Ole Miss yeah, game becomes very tight for him as well because that's a weird Ole Miss team yeah. that. Yeah. Has the bottom hasn't fallen out from the sanctions yet? No, because they're going to be talent. They're going to they have plenty of talent. Yeah, offensively they're going to come in and push tempo and try and do a bunch of crazy stuff as much as possible. Um, and then on defense, they'll just. I mean, if if LSU is struggling, they're likely struggling because of offense. If Ole Miss is able to create some turnovers, it's it, that's not an that's not an assumed W, especially if you've already lost to Auburn and Miami. Now, I personally think that LSU is going to be better on defense. Be, maybe not as talented, but I think um, the more time Aranda gets, the better. So I, I don't. The Miami game feels like a toss-up, but I don't, I don't think you're looking at some sort of catastrophe here. And by the way, if none of this works out, and and Ed Orgeron is not the answer at LSU, and they decide, hey, we're not going to be patient because there is a there is a a little bit of like a cutoff bill with the talent situation. They graduated out and you know, by graduated, I mean, sent guys to the draft that were juniors. They've turned over a lot of talent and there was a little bit of gap. The recruiting wasn't as strong towards the tail end of miles tenure as it was initially. They're not giving Ed Orgeron that, that moment's peace. And if they don't and they fire him, whatever. And he's, let's just say he's seven and five this year and they let go of him. It still does. That doesn't mean firing less miles is the wrong thing to do. That's the last thing I'll say. Okay. We got a lot of, we got a lot of, a lot more topics to go. Um, yep. whoo! Hey, speaking of coaches, <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of fan bases, I don't really want to compare these two cultures, but um, speaking of places where things are just never in line. Why is Mike Gundy getting crap right now? I, this, I, Maybe this is because I like OSU and Gundy. Maybe this is because, like, I spoke, I went there for a couple of days. Therefore, I'm like an exporter on the program, or feel like I am. But I, this is such an amazing non-story to me. So the story here is that um, the athletic director Mike Holder uh, went on what was it, Pistols Firing, their podcast, and basically said, "A, and, and this is." the a is something we kind of forget in this whole discussion a that mike gundy is an amazing coach and b that he sells himself short in recruiting sometimes going after only you know not aiming as high as he could uh and and kind of hurting maybe hurting himself or putting a ceiling on his his program by not necessarily aiming at the top recruits uh and that became you know oklahoma state ad slams mike gundy's recruiting or or eviscerates or whatever use or whatever words we're supposed to use on the internet right um eviscerates is the that that's the de jour yes right i i don't know if we're illegally allowed to use that word when we're not talking about something john oliver said but um but but either way yeah we he eviscerated mike gundy's recruiting after saying that mike gundy is an amazing coach mm-hmm. um so Number one, like, is this again, just some it, crap it, that it exists because we don't have a realignment or yes, giant NCAA? Exactly. Right now? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, basically, I think that Mike, oh, Mike Holder and Mike Gundy are extremely confident with each other and extremely comfortable with each other. Um, when I when I was doing the Gundy thing, you know, I am an expert on Oklahoma State. I was there two days. Um, 
when I was doing that piece, I was what a lot of the questions were kind of based around like the two headed monster that was Gundy and T Boone Pickens. Gundy continuously went out of his way to say it was more like a three headed monster with Gundy Pickens and Holder because Holder was the go between. Holder has has really built an absurdly impressive overall athletic department. They're pretty much they're awesome in pretty much every like non revenue sport. Um, they're suddenly awesome in like cross country and all these sports that they've never been good at along with you know golf and all that other stuff like he's he's a former coach himself i think he's a former golf coach uh he seems to have been he seems to be very coach friendly that was something i heard from a few different people and um well he just he's he's a good fundraiser he's a good athletic director but like gundy was so complimentary of him and they've worked together so long that everything I hear, I I think Holder's just comfortable with Gundy and was getting comfortable on a podcast and was just expressing a true, honest opinion. But never forget that he started that opinion by saying that Mike Gundy is an amazing head coach. And as far as the recruiting goes, um, you know, one uh, one of the things that you've got to, when you are trying to win titles, but you are not at a blue blood school, you have a choice to make between fighting for the blue chippers with OU and Texas and all these other guys, uh, all these other blue blood programs or trying to get in immediately with like the high three star, low four star kids who will be backup plans for those blue chip programs, get in with them. And if you have those guys in your program for five years, they're going to be playing like four star guys at the end of your time. Uh, the, t- the, the coaches who've done a really good job of that over time, the Gundys and the Frank Beamers and for a while, the Gary Pinkles, the Bill Snyders, um, not, less so this last time around now that he has a roster of like 47 walk-ons, uh-huh. but, you know, especially in the, in the, in the late nineties, he, he didn't recruit it nearly as many JUCOs uh, as he, his reputation suggests. He had a lot of JUCOs, but then he just had a lot of high three-star guys that stayed for five years and were awesome by the time they left. And so you can win a whole hell of a lot of games and Gundy has won more games than anybody ever has consistently at Oklahoma State with this approach. Uh, and he also mentioned, like in, in our piece, I don't remember if I shared this quote in the piece or not, but he basically said, like, you know, you get too many four-star guys, they have their own idea of what this program should be. They start, you know, dem- they start expecting, like, they're, they're more likely to be entitled and not fit into the program. Now, that's a broad generalization, and then the right kind of coach can – you know, the Sabans of the world can get those four stars to fit in just fine. But he does seem to have made a certain level of decision. Like I'm only going to recruit specific four and five star guys that I think I can land and that I think will fit into our program because the program matters more than any given player. Um, And that probably does at the end of the day, affix a certain ceiling on OSU's program, we saw, we saw, I mean, they almost made the national title game in 2011. They were a couple of bad breaks from, from being in position to potentially make the, you know, if, if a couple of linemen don't get hurt before the TCU game, if they only stink for a quarter against Kansas State instead of a full half, uh, then they're in position to, you know, finish probably in the top at least five or six or seven this last year. Um, they were a very good team last year. But it, it probably does affix a little bit of a ceiling. And maybe Holder thinks that with all these new facilities they've got, they need to be taking some more shots, and that's fine. But this whole thing's a story, A, because we don't have anything else to talk about in college football, and B, because Holder just got a little too comfortable on a podcast, I think. Okay. All right. That was really good. I don't really have anything to add other than the fact that um, I, I just we're, – we're like one gun and weed possession story away from this not even showing up. Not at, right. o, exactly. not at OSU, just anywhere. Honestly, Eviscerates. Honestly, anywhere.
Hey, Bill, it's Big 12 rankings time. That's right. Who's last? Well, let's just go straight to who's second to last because we know who's last. What was your headline this year? I forgot already. Uh, This year's Kansas headline was i've already forgotten too because it really everything nothing is ever going to compare the, fr- to, the fresh get, air get a lot of fresh air, the fresh air. Of i mean look i don't compliment you enough but the fresh air headline from two years ago really kind of stands in the uh, two or three yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah me and jason joking in slack and then one of us saying we should make that the headline and then that was uh, that started a trend every year we got to be snarky in our kansas this year's um kansas headline was well kansas will give football another shot um, which is true. Uh, yeah, Kansas. I mean, my whole, like the whole intro to the Kansas piece was just about like Kansas is proof that culture is a thing, basically that winning culture, that having upperclassmen who have won games and they know what wins games and they can push guys in the off season, uh, you know, and, and, you know, to where those practices in June that are just players only kind of things are in, are as hard or harder, uh, than the practices once fall camp starts and everybody, uh, expects things out of each other and all those things it, It's proof that that's a real thing because, not only has Kansas been horrific for like a decade, but they haven't even like David Beatty. He, he was hired because he had a reputation as a recruiter. I, I said here and just about everywhere else that I thought that was a terrible reason for Kansas to make a hire because you're not going to get the four star kids you were getting to Texas A&M ever. Um, but the, as as iffy as Beatty has recruited overall on average, they haven't come close to matching those uh, those those iffy recruiting rankings on the field in almost a decade. They are recruiting in the 60s or 70s or 50s or 60s or 70s, and they're playing in the 120s. Um, they just have no confidence. They have no winning culture. They have no expectation. As soon as something goes wrong happens, everybody on the team, just the body language, as coaches would say, they let go of the rope. Um, uh, you know, just this Kansas, <laughs> you know, every single coach would, would say that. Um, but that's, that's Kansas right now. David Beatty needs a miracle. He needs like a, one of these JUCOs that he signed and he signed a lot of JUCOs the last two years. Cause that's kind of the Kansas coach life cycle come in. I'm just going to recruit freshmen and we're going to, Oh crap. And then you sign like 17 JUCOs and that doesn't work either. Um, he signed a bunch of JUCOs. He just needs a miracle. He needs this quarterback, whatever the JUCO quarterback he just signed. Um, uh, Miles Kendrick. He needs Miles Kendrick, all 5'10", 200 pounds of him, to be Todd, uh, Todd Reesing. You know, he needs a miracle now uh, of, of leadership and everything else. And I, it's really it's, – it's hard to predict a miracle. Let's put it that way. Here's where I'm interested. You have a, a pretty fat Tier 2 on here. You have one, two, three, four, five teams in Tier 2. In tier three, you have K-State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Just from a coaching perspective, Matt Rule's not going anywhere. Bill Snyder's not going anywhere until he maybe shuffles off the mortal coil. Cliff Kingsbury, potential hot seat there. You could have more movement in the tier two than you could in the tier three, even if this shakes out to be chalk. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there's some mitigating factors in there, mainly the fact that, like, Matt Campbell could leave at any time because Iowa State is overachieving at such a clip. And he's got – that dude has got some positive buzz, man. It's crazy. Um, Yeah. And then also just watch West Virginia. That's all I'm saying. Just watch West Virginia. I I, I mean, I don't want to tease anything that gets aggregated or thrown up on Reddit. Shout out to Reddit uh, slash PAPN. But – Yes, yes, yes. We have a subreddit. Yes. Reddit.com slash r slash PAPN. Go visit. 
but but I, I think West Virginia's in a weird spot where they like either they win a whole whole bunch and like they it's a, they're an eleven win team and Dana leaves, or they're like a four win team and Dana gets fired. I'd say the most likely scenario is directly in between those two. No, I. West Virginia is yeah. a funny team because uh, – so basically there are three main responses I got from this list. No, four. One of them was basically everybody else doing the LOL Texas is back thing again because I picked them third uh, in the power rankings. They were fourth last year in the standings, so it's not like I'm exactly going crazy with that pick, but whatever. Uh, so that was one. The second reaction, the main fan reaction was West Virginia fans going like responding to what I said with basically, yeah, uh, we are unlike last year, West Virginia fans and I are on exactly the same page in that West Virginia is going to have probably the second best starting 22 in the conference behind Oklahoma and absolutely positively no second string whatsoever. So basically like if they are in like the 90th percentile or higher in terms of the number of injuries they, they have to deal with, they could be a tremendous team this year. If they have a normal number of injuries and it hits a certain spot on the roster where maybe they're thinner than other places, they are, are just a, a blink from about five and seven. Like they just, when you, when your biggest problem is depth, uh-huh. you have absolutely no idea how that's going to affect because you don't know what areas of your roster it's going to affect. So that's, that was the second reaction. Third reaction was, Man, Iowa State fans are breaking my heart. Like, you know, in the comments to the the comments to the power rankings post at SB Nation, uh, some tweets as well, they really, really don't think Campbell's ever gonna leave. And it breaks my heart. Okay. You ha- you said in in your piece, you said you thought about putting TCU in tier one with Oklahoma. Yes. Right. So let's. How far away is number six Iowa State from number three Texas? Uh, not far at all. Like those five teams I have in tier two: TCU, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Uh, one of them has a proven quarterback in Will Greer. Another Iowa State. I mean, Kyle Kemp is fine. Um, you know, if he wasn't really asked to do a whole hell of a lot because they were playing conservative, uh, basically for because they had a good defense. Uh, but maybe he could handle more. He sure looked good against Oklahoma. Um, but he's, but he's only fine. I think Texas has two quarterbacks and it still apparently has no idea what to do with either one of them. Even though to me, Sam Ellinger is clearly better than Shane Bouchelle. Uh, we're still juggling. And so therefore they have no quarterbacks until they pick one, uh, TCU and Oklahoma state have no, are, are basically a quarterback away from the big 12 title game. We don't know if either or both of them will have one. So that's kind of the separation there. Like West Virginia has the quarterback of the group, but no depth. Iowa state has, should have a really fun defense again and a good run game. Uh, and, and you know, they should be not all, not very fun to watch offensively, but fun defensively. And then TCU and Oklahoma state and really Texas too, are just basically trying to figure out if they've got a QB and if they do, they're great. Hmm. I refuse to believe that things are this solid at the top and the bottom of the big 12. I just doesn't. Well, I mean, that's not feel... listed half of the conference as as a potential contender. So I mean, that's pretty. I refuse to acknowledge anything on a power ranking of the Big Twelve, where you don't literally just take everyone but Kansas and be like, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I did that with six of ten. That's not bad. And the other three: K State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. By the way, the fourth re- reaction I got from fan bases was Texas Tech fans being pissed off uh, that I had their team eighth. What uh, leg like, are you like standing it. on, Texas Tech? What argument are you presenting? Hey. What What's what argument is Texas Tech presenting there? Uh, that they have a good defense now, therefore they're going to be good. Um, oh my God! What world are we so, living in? Yeah. So basically, they should have. They should. Their defense should improve. But here's the one thing I can remind people: 
is our bar for Texas Tech was so low defensively that we're taking a number 88 finish in defensive S&P Plus and turning in that into, we've got a defense now. Um, but they're also, I, I think the other assumption here is that Kingsbury is never going to have a bad offense. And uh, to whatever degree, that's true. Um, but a year after losing Mahomes, they fell from like third or something like that to, tw- to 25th in offense. And now they have to replace uh, their quarterback, who I'm sure they would tell you stunk. Uh, and the next guy is going to be as good or better, which, I mean, Shimanek didn't, didn't leave that high a bar, but he was still pretty good. Uh, they had a very good running back at Justin Stockton, who's gone. And they lose one, two, three, five of their top six receiving targets. Um, that's a lot. And so, like, at best, I think you hit, you hit about 25th. And so any improvement you're going to make is going to come for your defense. And the other thing is, I just, like, let, let's not go too far here. They, the last time Texas Tech had an average, from an S&P Plus perspective, an average, a Big 12 average team was when Mike Leach was there. They've been, so, like, I, I have them eighth. Fifth would be pretty good. So I'm not, it's a, I'm not that far away here. And I, I fear that they have their expectations a little bit too high. All right, Bill. Um, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty knowledgeable about the big 12. I don't know if there's anything okay. left yet for me. Um, uh, let me just say, uh, and I think this is the crux of your piece, three, four, five, and six. You don't have to agree with the order. Um, and any shakeup therein of three, four, five, and six feels right. Um, I guess the last thing we should do, since we are often accused of ignoring good football teams and talking about the sport, um, we have not talked about TCU at all before we move on. Um, okay. Standard talk radio question would be, does TCU have a chance of winning the conference and upending Oklahoma? Is of course TCU – let me change the conversation here. Don't worry so much about the um, – the politics of the of the playoff selection is TCU a team in the conversation, even if Oklahoma is as well come late November. Sure. They get Oklahoma at home. Um, so they're non-conference. They have Southern, they have SMU and they have this little team, this little visiting team called Ohio state. Um, like if they Shout are out, top the way, 15, we have, we, have, we have to pause and acknowledge anytime there's a great, a great matchup between two power five teams. that doesn't involve an NFL stadium. So shout out to those schools for doing that. Uh, hold on a second. Where is that game being played? Oh no, it's gotta be in Fort Worth, right? Or Columbus. Hold on. Hold on. No, it's not um, Jerry world. Jerry world's booked. Uh, That's LSU and Miami in week one. I know they're in week three. I know, but I think, uh, isn't that Texas, uh, A&M Arkansas? September 15th, 2018, TCU versus Ohio State in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. I think that was a, I don't think it started that way, and I don't know when it was announced that Uh, that was the case. Yeah. So retract your shout out. (laughs) Why? I cannot impart the the difference in atmosphere, culture, excitement, vibe between being on campus in Fort Worth, a place that was really just magnificently constructed in the modern age of big dollar college athletics versus the world's fanciest parking lot in Arlington. God, that sucks ass. That is so terrible. Right. And I mean, they're going to have Congressman. They're going to have a lot of, you know, fans there. And I just took the energy right out of me, Bill. And they actually don't have a, 
Yeah, there isn't a game in Columbus, so this is. I don't know. I I thought the same thing you did. I thought this was a home and home. No, I don't think they would. I don't think they would allow for a game in Columbus and then a game in Arlington. And I mean, I don't. Well, no, but I think I thought originally in my head this was originally a Fort Worth and Columbus combo, um, but that clearly is not the case. So anyway, yes, they play uh, Ohio State in Jerry World in Week Three. And, um, I mean, even if they lose that game, they do get Oklahoma at home. So you're heading into November to p- potentially with one loss, um, and in very, and, and very much in like the top 10 or 12 and therefore the CFP conversation, they finished the year at West Virginia at Baylor and Oklahoma state at home. And S and P basically gives them, but they are between a two and five point favorite in all three of those games, which means they'll probably lose one, um, so the you know if this Sean Robinson kid who played a little bit last year uh, was kind of careless with his body a little bit got hit a bunch against Texas Tech uh, through did not throw very well in the wind in Texas Tech um, then you know if, if he's the real deal then they they're gonna have a really good team they're gonna have a salty defense even by TCU standards we could really proselytize but, here for TCU we gotta. We got to get behind some teams. That seems to be the MO of like media personalities and radio shows and other podcasts where they just like stump hard for a particular team in a particular year. I think ironically so, it should be Mississippi state this year for us, but um, <laughs> and it will be because I like when I do, I did I don't have my predictions ready for my stupid time capsule where I bat like three out of 10 and then pat myself on the back four months later. But I, th- I really do think one of my predictions might be Mississippi state upsetting Alabama. Um, but I like TCU as well. In. I, th- I think I can get. I think I get some dumb hype around TCU if I try hard enough. Man, it, it's funny. Like when we talked to Mitch, like I didn't, I hadn't even noticed that they had Miami sixth or whatever. So yeah, and, and that's another Michigan one we like, could feel. Well, that's another one we could get stupid well, about. But that was those are two teams that that I thought I felt good about, and then I realized, well, crap! If they're putting them there, then maybe I don't feel good about them, and so I don't feel. Wait, wait, I don't feel wait, like wait, I have wait, 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 walk that logic out. So, well, once you know that somebody is even higher on a team than you are, it's kind of hard to feel edgy about it. So, like, I thought, hey, Miami, t- top 10 or 12, but they you are at least, you know, maybe a hair improved at quarterback. And I thought that was good. And then uh, Athlon races to put them in sixth. And I'm like, oh, well, top 10 or 12. Well, just because they did it doesn't mean you can't do it, too. But it does. Wow, look at you. That's petty as hell. That's, that's, no. a, that's the whole point of being edgy right there, right? Hipstery. Dude. You know we're recording a podcast right now. Someone could throw that back in your face in a little while. You stu- so so if you stump for a unique team, and someone else starts stumping. You're just off the bandwagon immediately. Well, if the, the, especially if they beat you to it. I had not expressed that I was going to stump for Miami yet, and therefore they 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 snuck they sneaked in there and put them higher than I would have. So the snuck sneak debate yeah. bothers the hell out of me. That got corrected in one of my pieces recently, and I'm just like, look, I know it's not a word. But it's past the colloquialism. Snook should be a word. Stop it. Sneak is not a word. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't even read well. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good at all. Awful. I don't care. I am, I'm not speaking the Queen's English. Ah, Bill, guess what? Questions. Questions. We didn't even get to the Big Ten. Do you want to talk about the Big Ten really fast? Uh, sure. I have written three big 10 previews by the time we, we air next, I'll have basically finished. So we'll have to, uh, on our first show back, we'll need to talk about big 12 power rankings. I have not done nearly enough to, re- I, I don't have nearly enough feel for what I think about Northwestern yet or whoever. Um, but I have a good feel for Illinois. Does anybody Maryland know Rutgers. how they feel about Northwestern? 
it's a lovely uh, practice facility they got there. Oh God, kill me! Their coach is um, kind of yeah. cool and kind of an ass at the same time. Um, so we're on the uh, we're, we are on the requisite trademark hashtag ass end of the Big Ten right yes. now. Okay, all right. Anything you want to talk about the ass end of the Big Ten about before we move on to questions? Uh, just re- we'll read the previews. The 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 shortest possible version. I know I don't say anything. The previews. I, I don't. I realize I don't say anything in a short amount of time. But Illinois has a massive talent deficit that I don't know if they're ever going to close. I think you know the, my point in the preview is that like Lovey Smith proved in the NFL that a he's not an amazing coach, but when he has equal talent to you, and that's generally the case in the NFL, he can win at least half his games. You know he can he can land some shots and he'll you know lose some or whatever. But an above five hundred record in the NFL is good and i thought he was underrated at that level but <laughs> he also didn't prove that he could ever win a game with a massive talent deficit he has not recruited well enough to make up any sort of ground we've talked before about his kind of his smart move he hired an up-and-coming coach and a high school coach in st louis he's already scored the commitment from the number one kid in st louis this year a 511 freshman quarterback who everybody else was recruiting at, at slot receiver but he's a five-star kid he's going to illinois next year we are at least two years away from Illinois being even sniffing out equal talent levels. Uh, and it's just hard to look at their schedule and think of anything less than or anything better than about four and eight. So it's really a question of like, how long does he get to close that gap? And the fact that new co- new athletic director walks in the door immediately hires him because Lovey's my guy, then he probably has some rope here, but it's going to take a while. Maryland, just stop getting your top players injured. Let them actually, you know, play out a full season. Uh, especially any quarterbacks or say your best defensive player. Uh, they had a really, really good team last year. Um, or they, excuse me, they had a really, really good team for three quarters of the Texas game last year. Uh, they look really promising and interesting. And then their top two quarterbacks got injured. Uh, their best defensive player got injured. A bunch of other players, uh, you know, by the end of the season, it was just basically just, uh, they, they crumbled at the end of the season. And we don't have any idea what they're actually capable of because we haven't seen their good players long enough. Uh, Rutgers. Yep. Should be good on. They are a football team. I know their fans are increasingly optimistic. They have two years of recruiting now. Um, You know, Chris Ash has done very good, uh, pretty good things defensively. How much Um, fresh air is available in Piscataway? They should have a good defense. They should have a a sporadically good run game. Their passing game might consist of uh, a true freshman quarterback throwing to a bunch of sophomores who haven't proven anything yet. And that's why they're probably still going to go about four and eight. But one of these teams, you know, one of these, either Maryland or Rutgers has to win these games. Uh, And so, you know, one of them could make a bull run if they get the right breaks, but I feel better about Maryland. Uh, Tomorrow, by the way, is the Nebraska preview speak. Shout out to Omaha radio. Uh, I will be on tomorrow. And then we'll talk about the rest uh, after the break. Or after, after the, not, that sounded like a commercial thing, like uh, we'll be back after this. But after our summer break, we'll talk about the rest of the Big Ten. Tomorrow being Friday as we record this on a Thursday. Yes. Questions. Um, there's so many saving oars. Um, almost just rele- let's relegate them to the end. How about that? Um, all right. I like it when people are just straight up selfish and want to know about their team. Steve M at Maniacally Steve says, ask PAPN, PAPN, assuming Brom sticks around, how long until Purdue is in the Big Ten title game? Ooh. And then he said, HT at Boiled Sports. Um, assuming he sticks around. I'm doing the math on, on the West right now. 
what's 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 scary about the West right now is you have a bunch of fan bases who have heard that th- for the last like five years that their division stinks and now they're looking their own team is kind of promising so they're like okay yep. well time to run time to run the show except you can say that about Nebraska you can say that about uh, Purdue and you can say that about Northwestern even and of course Iowa's you know Iowa plus the expectations so in Minnesota now. Plus, uh, yes, it, because Fleck is at least recruiting better. Um, so, yeah, you're in a situation where the entire thing improves at once, and you're basically probably looking at mostly Wisconsin and Nebraska winning the, winning the division, I think. But um, what well, about how about this? How about this? How about reasonable expectations to win the West? And let's say because he said in the title game, he didn't say anything about win, beating you know Ohio no, State. No, or, I, I was just thinking winning the West, and I think it's. Um, Let's say 20, at the very earliest, and incredibly, like, everything's on the right track. We're moving along. Everything's going according to plan. If you hit the right schedule late 2019, but I would say 2020. How's that? Sure. Okay, so let's just see. Be see nice, man. A, I'm just trying to be nice. Let's see. They're going to have a junior quarterback this year. Um, their top receivers are a sophomore. Um, well, and a senior, but a sophomore that Jackson Anthrop's back at least. They've got a bunch of seniors on the offensive line, uh, probably a bunch of juniors on defense. I guess I, yeah, this could be a case where they just have to, you know, merely settle for being a fun, competitive team again for at least a couple more years before any before the classes align and you've got the offensive defense ready to kind of peak at the same time. Because that's what's gonna that's what it's gonna take. As as much as we talk about how the West is weak, Wisconsin is not showing any sort of hint of, of being anything less than a top fifteen program. So you have to be at least a top fifteen or twenty program to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Purdue could absolutely. They were almost top 40 last year i think they could absolutely get to a top 30 level but you're they're gonna have to pull some updates and upsets and kind of run through a kind of a magical streak of of close wins or whatever uh to compete with a top 15 level team and of course i've made my thoughts clear about scott frost in nebraska and i think they can be top 15 level within a couple years too so brahm's not i mean brahm's not running away yet like this is not it's it's not what y'all think it is now if louisville opens he's gone Say that. <laughs> well, he's going to go home to Louisville. Petrino never. Petrino doesn't exactly have a track record for staying in any one place for a long period of time. So I, I know he I, said. I just don't buy this that Brom is ready to jump right away. I just I, I don't believe that. He's yeah. not just going to go to some other job that that is open is going to pay him more money. I think he's going to be very selective about where he goes. I think he saw a very unique growth opportunity at Purdue to be able to show. I mean, look, if, if college football is nothing more than like being in a sales meeting where you show a chart of what you guys got and what you guys created and then what you guys finished off with, like we inherited this, we did this, and these are the results. Purdue and Jeff Braw, it's a pretty damn good fit, right? Because he's going to look yep. great in, in the next two or three years, regardless of what happens, whether or not they win the West. So I don't think he's going anywhere yeah, yet. Calm down. You just have to play. You just have to play at a top fifteen level to win the West. I don't think Purdue's there. So then, boom, Sabinor from our friend Dan Klobuchar, uh, Klobuchar. I don't know. Uh, Sabinor national titles or Sabin uh, national titles or Sabin years that Jeff Brom stays at Purdue. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Brom. I think so, but it really is. This whole thing is hinging on Bobby Petrino staying in a place, um, and that makes me nervous. Noah Brown. At the 97 Revolution, he wants to know, is there a realistic chance for FAU to be in a playoff conversation with the season schedule if they go undefeated? 
No. Yes. Conversation, sure. Conversation. Will, yes. Conversation. Will we stump yes. until we have no stumps left to stump? Hell yes. God Hell yes. yes. Are you kidding me? Do you realize how in the bag this podcast would be for a situation like that? Is it going to happen? Absolutely not. The powers that be will do everything they can to prevent that from happening. There are four playoff spots, and I would not be surprised at all if the SEC takes another two. Takes two again. So, no. Hell no. Yeah, they've got they've imagine got two got SEC spots by Georgia and Alabama and FAU. And then the <laughs> no, they've got no, no, they've got the schedule for this. They they play at OU and at UCF. Um, so yes, if they get to the end of the road, uh, having beaten OU and UCF, we will be stumping for them. And then by the end of the year, uh, they'll have just from having played North Texas and Florida International and whoever else, they'll have gone from like. They'll start off at like tenth in the in the college football playoff rankings, and then they'll happen. finish the year. They'll finish the year like twelve. It's not going to happen because that's just what happens. Not and it's uh, you know all all we can say after last year with UCF, all we can say is prove us wrong because I don't think you can. Undefeated FAU, one loss UCF, one loss Oklahoma. Actually. I will I will change that slightly. UCF finished twelfth, I believe, and they do have the schedule that UCF lacked. So I will say they will start at like sixth in the CFP rankings, uh, mid season undefeated, having just beaten those teams. If uh, those te- if, like if those teams are are also uh, undefeated after their loss to FAU, if those teams are dominant, if Oklahoma does not lose another game and wins the Big Twelve. Um, you would also need UCF to go 11 and one and win the, um, win the AAC. And I don't even think that matters. And then I still don't think it's going to happen, yep. but prove us, prove us we wrong. will politic our balls off for that. Um, man, jeez, Wow. Um, okay. Lots of places we want to go. Lots of places we don't. Um, there's a lot of questions about Puma in here. And so I'm just going to throw this one out at you because I don't really know what's going on other than the fact that Jay-Z's involved. But we have two. Um, Arthur, how, Arthur Mueller. How can, you say you, how can you say you don't know what's going on when I, until about four days ago, was the national Puma I just assumed you were working for them as well. Arthur W. Mueller asks, could you see Puma landing a uh, apparel deal with the University Athletic Department? And Jamie Wilson asks, NBA All-Stars wearing Puma in the next decade? Um, or a Sabanor. That's pretty cute, actually. Yeah. Sorry, I, I missed yeah, the hashtag yeah. on that one. Um, so Jay Z's involved, and they are they jumped on a couple draft prospects in the NBA, right? Three, three now. Yeah, they're gonna have three lottery picks. Uh, yeah, I think it's totally possible they would get into the apparel game with with the with college football. Um, I think that the way that they're targeting, the, like with the, I think they would be super choosy about what that program would be, who that program would be. I don't think they would just run in yeah, and be yeah. like, oh, man, Georgia Tech, you lost your, your – uh, Russell Athletic, you know. No, right. I, I think it would be like really selective about a particular kind of school, kind of the – Who would be uh, Who would be a top-notch program they could get who would be willing to kind of buck trends? I mean, bit? if UCLA left their deal, that's one that I, I could think of right oh, away. I mean, Chip's – obviously, Chip's relationship with Nike might sway them in that direction, but yeah. um, something coastal. Something coastal. Washington could get so antisocial, uh, could take on so much of the Peterson uh, identity that they decide, you know what, screw it, screw Nike. What if, uh, what if, what if Cuse gets hot? Ah. What if Cuse gets hot? It's a New York thing. 
Maybe yeah, that would tie into, you know, their whole speed thing. Like that's, you know, they were Usain Bolt. That was, he's their biggest client probably. Um, so that could tie into that a little bit, get the whole speed okay. thing going. Um, I just don't foresee them running in and being like, we picked up, uh, you know, two CUSA teams and two Sunday right, teams. Exactly. No, but I mean, that's, if we're following the general, if they're serious about getting into like a, a, a war with Nike, basically, um, which I'm kind of nervous about because this could make all their shoes like $25 more expensive. And since I buy like 38 pairs a year, that's going to be costly. But, um, but that's the next step in the playbook. Yeah. Like you got the NBA players and now you have to go get a couple NFL players and then you get a college team. That's kind of the, the general MO there. Evan Greco at Shears for beers. <laughs> Is Joe Moorhead really a steal for Mississippi state or does he run the risk of being another cliff Kingsbury rising through to a head coach position on the back of a generational player? Congratulations, Evan. You are the first and last person that's going to compare Joe Moorhead. To cliff <laughs> Kingsbury. Well, yeah, he's, there's no question that he, that that having Saquon helped. Of course, it it helped. Unless you're talking about Trace McSorley. Well, I was going to say, I thought he was the, talking about Trace. <laughs> the second most popular quarterback in State College, Pennsylvania. Um, but he I, he has more of a track record than that. Uh, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury was, was an assistant coach for like what six, four, six years or something before I got the head coaching job. Maybe a couple more than that. Um, but like Moorhead's been around. He he won big at Fordham. Uh, and, and his system itself is, has been really, really unique and, and well-received and everything. So I, I do think he's more than a, uh, being on the back of a general generational player. I mean, that said though, I mean, we can call him a steal all we want. He's still in the SEC West. And, you know, even if he recruits really well, I know that's one of the, the, the question marks people are trying to create about him, um, he's still at best going to be the consistent, like on a, on a year to year basis, he's going to be about the fifth best recruiter in the, in the Mississippi, in, in the sec West. So it's going to be, it's always going to be a hard job. So you know, Overhead, if he's smart, we'll learn from the mistakes of Dan Mullen, which were many, and he will take the period in time in which he's been given, which by all accounts looks like, like, I mean, Ole Miss is, is a, is a wounded animal right now and they're very, very dangerous, but they're not dead yet. They will be like sanctions will hit them in a particular manner in which they will have to suffer some sort of valley for the next two, three, four years. Right. That has to happen. To, to whatever degree. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to happen. And that job is – and the reason why I immediately bring up Ole Miss is because those two idiot schools are just in love with hating each other and would burn down the world to kill – I mean, that's 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 the world. It stops in Mississippi. Um, Moorhead can take these two, three, four years, build something really smart, and then get out. Um, that was Mullen's plan all along. He saw Mississippi <laughs> – <slide. laughs> I mean, he, he saw he saw a Mississippi landscape, landscape that he could exploit with what Houston Nutt was doing and how bad and lazy he was. And then just couldn't get out. Now, I mean, a lot of that was like, I think, I don't want to say the fault of Mullen as a, in terms of personality, but look, he famously did an interview well. He 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 didn't he didn't think that the equity of of taking Mississippi State to eight nine wins was uh, maybe he overvalued it at the time. But I think we, as a collective consciousness in college football, now value what he did there maybe even more than we did at the time. And also, if Moorhead can take it down, that Mullen lacked a trophy for so long. Yeah, beating Ole Miss is fantastic for the fan base. No one gives a shit on a national level. That's what Moorhead. If Moorhead can do eight nine eight something like that, or maybe eight ten seven, and in that in that ten win year, he 
beats Alabama, LSU, some combination thereof, then beats Auburn the following. The dude's got his pick of jobs. He does. Because yeah, that's I, sort of the accepted ceiling for what Mississippi State does. Yeah, I mean, Mullen, it's kind of a funny thing with him in that he he won at a level that really no Mississippi State coach, like I was saying about Gundy, no Mississippi State coach has won this consistently since like the 50s or 40s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he didn't beat Bama. He didn't win a division. There were certain things on the table that technically Moorhead can come at and still do, even though the bar is much higher than it was. I will say, by the way, one thing that he has going against him is that after this year, the roster kind of starts over for, for Mississippi State. Fitzgerald's a senior. Now, Thompson, the backup quarterback who came in and beat Lamar Jackson in the bowl game, uh, not that they were going head-to-head, um, but yeah, he looks like he's he was a four star kid. He looked really good in that game. Less good against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Nick Fitzgerald's a senior. Aris Williams is a senior. Um, their offensive line has at least a couple senior starters. Uh, their, their their defensive line is going to lose Montez Sweat, who's a senior. Jeffrey Simmons, the the blue chip junior, is probably gone. Um, so they're going to be starting over. The secondary has some seniors too. Like they're going to be starting over a little bit in 2019. So he better kind of live up to the hype that we're setting for Mississippi state this year. Cause if he doesn't, that will probably be two subpar years in a row. And that the heat will pick up very quickly in that case. Um, a question from one of our colleagues, young Alex Kirshner, young Henny King Henny, as we call him. Uh, if you had to draft, if you had to have a draft of the first fired coaches in 2018, who'd be the top four picks? Um, Leach is number one with a bullet. Um, <laughs> I just, I just think it's going to happen, man. I'm just telling you. I can't, I can't put him above David Beatty. Now we're talking um, about first. We're talking about I first. Can... Here's my question: KU's right. in a situation where they haven't brought in the new, the new AD Chancellor guy yet, right? They still have a couple months, though. Right. So, well, and first of all, kind, in the, in, it's kind of like in, that John Curry situation. You know, like you know, you're going to make a change. Give yourself time to get out there and look at the landscape. Or do you just say, you know what, screw it, we're going to fire, we're going to operate in the open market and then not have to hide and sneak around Coach Beatty? Either one, it's interesting either way. If you don't have an AD picked yet by that point, I think it's more likely because somebody still has firing powers. uh, And at that point, you're you're a rudderless ship and the, the, the boosters have even more of a say. No, if they lose to Nichols State to start the season, which I think is more likely... I think Beatty being hired, uh, fired by the end of September is infinitely more likely than Mike Leach being fired by the end of September. Let's put it that way. So I, I have to say Beatty's at the top of the list. I okay. Would put, I would put he might be second though. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through the other. Here's, here's where I, where I inevitably go over to CoachesHotSeat.com and then get really angry at their terrible list. It's always a really weird list. I looked on there the other day and I think they have like Luke Fickle in the top ten. Are you yeah, freaking Luke kidding me? Fourth. He just There's, signed. He insane. just signed the top class in the in the AAC. Yeah, he's been there he's for not a in the top twenty five. Like, Luke Fickle's not in the top twenty five. Jim Harbaugh's not sixth. Like Jim, Jim Harbaugh, t- say, okay, yeah, this is stupid. Um, okay, here's here's, a, here's a couple I would put an eye on as far as early firings. If East Carolina comes out completely yeah. flat, I was gonna Scotty say Montgomery's yeah. fired. Um, if Scotty Montgomery think, on, the, on the coach's hot seat list, twenty third. Jesus, why am I on this page? Brad Lambert from Charlotte is the other one I would put very high. Yeah, if it's completely flat, they might fire him. Um. I don't, you know, we just got done talking about Illinois to a degree. Like, I don't know if they would, if they would make a, a quick, a quick change like that if they were completely flat. I personally don't see that. Um, 
Paul Johnson, something happening there where he there's yeah. a retirement firing situation. That might be one to keep an eye on. Um, it's then you have some off field stuff. You had a player pass away at Maryland, yeah. and there's a lot of there's a lot of stress pressure kind of regime change stuff going on there. That might be one to watch. Bob Davey still has a job at New Mexico, right? Uh, yeah, but at this point, I mean, I think because he still has a job, it's it's proof that the administration doesn't really care about the off-field stuff that he was accused of. So if he was going to be fired for that, he would have been. Yeah. And so apparently they're leaning on the fact that he's had some good seasons recently. So now <sighs> okay. Baby, Montgomery, Brad Lambert at Charlotte, I would put all three of those higher than Mike Leach. Uh, what if Major Applewhite, what if, what if Houston comes oh. out and eats the curb? Oh yeah, that's true. He's always, he's always going to be on a good hot seat list. He's always going to be like top 12 or 15 because of, uh, well, because that's a really uh, intense job at the moment, I would say. Um, not a lot of dead ringers in the P5 right now. I mean, once you get past the jokes about Kansas and stuff, like I, I just – now I'm tempted to go look at Coach's hot seat. But um, I don't think there's a lot right away, which which well, Here's what happens. Chaos fills the gap. Something will happen. All right? Some major program will either have – it could be scandal flavored with – actual results or vice versa. Um, what do you think the future is for Sataki at BYU? Not great. Um, I think they will, I think they will be better this year and that, that'll probably save him as long as they're better this year. I think he's fine. Um, but no, I mean, they're uh, speaking of it forever tense situations since they have, since nobody is secure about anything about BYU's future uh, just in general, you can't stink two years in a row. So yeah. he does have to get better. Yeah, I think there's a, there's going to be some churn and some turnover, but uh, in the in the G five sector, at a lot of programs that had had a, some kind of experiment situations going on the last couple of years, but I just don't see, I don't see a major P five or going down unless it's an unexpected retirement or scandal. We have no information of right now. Um, it, at least at least getting to like October fifteenth. Yeah. Does that feel right? I think- I think Beatty's fully on watch. Yeah. Uh, but other than Beatty at the piece. So what's our four? This is a really long answer. So what's our four? Beatty, Leach. If we're including G5, Montgomery and Lambert, I think are, are very two, two blatantly obvious uh, okay. jobs that are probably going to open soon. Not sure what the point is to fire uh, the head coach of Charlotte midseason. If they're just that terrible, which they should be better. <laughs> if you're, if it's, if it's like a hockey or soccer situation where they're literally like, Hey, we cannot win a game with like the kids are completely emotionally checked out. Then is there a Gary Anderson situation that happens this year? <laughs> well, thinking about a Gary Anderson situation is, is, is it's so unpredictable that it's hard to it's, say in advance. Is the Gary Anderson situation just a Paul Johnson situation that is yet to be named for Paul Johnson who will inevitably <laughs> coin that? Yeah. Uh, man, Gary Anderson, those last two moves he's made have been so out of nowhere. Like he, he belongs in a category to himself. I don't even know if I'd put Paul Johnson in that category or not. Yeah. You got a point. Um, yeah. So the DJ Durkin thing is just something to watch. I, it's, I mean, that's it. I can I can say right now. Um, yeah, nothing else is coming to mind. So I guess, um, I guess it's stable, which means that everything is going to die and explode. Um, uh, keeping on the same tip and the same the same coworker vibe as well, Bud Elliott, uh, never heard of him. Yeah. Uh, Ask PAPN how many head coaching jobs in the Big Ten will change before the twenty twenty season. 
Well, I mean, that's two years. So basically, like any power why conference, is, just immediately Bud, like half. Why is Bud giving me homework? Um, a lot of contingencies here. Um, everyone has always talked about James Franklin in the NFL. Um, everyone is assuming that the, the Michigan State situation could get worse before it gets better. That's just off the top of my head. I think Meyer has two to three more years in him, so let's keep that stable for a second. Let's just say for the sake of this conversation that Harbaugh stays two more years. So that's 2020, okay? Um, now, Brom could leave. He won't get fired. Pat Fitzgerald, it's it's like being a pope or a Supreme Court justice, so he's he's not going anywhere. I don't think 2020 is enough time for anything to happen at Minnesota, good or bad. Right. Um, Maryland, I, I, I can strongly anticipate a change. So I'm going to hold up one finger there. All right. Rutgers two. Um, this is a harder question than I thought. Let's just go ahead and say Wisconsin stays stable. Cause I think, I think yeah. that dynamic is what Alvarez has always really wanted. And he's got it. Nebraska, nothing will change by then. Iowa. I mean, you just assume <laughs> he's going to retire right. or like, I, I mean, here are the ones okay, that so would surprise me. So okay. I, I was like I was saying, I mean, basically two years, you just assume that's like half the conference that's going to churn. But the ones that would surprise mm-hmm. me if they're not in the same job in 2020 are Wisconsin, Ohio State, Northwestern. I'm going to go ahead and put Penn State on there. I know that they're all yeah, 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 yeah. links, but it would still surprise me if, if he's gone in the next two years. Iowa, of course, is going to surprise me. Even when he retires, I'm going to be like, yeah, but you're still going to coach another five years, right? Right. Um, so that's five that would surprise me. Indiana, I think, I think surprised me a little bit just because, I mean, I don't see him. I don't see Tom Allen necessarily moving up, and I don't think he's going to get fired nope. either. So, nope. Um, and he is going to – I do anticipate him having like an, a, a minor Indiana-sized run of like a, an eight-win season sure, happens. Yeah. yeah, I could see it. And that's enough to keep him around and because that really kicks the – that kicks through that glass that was set in the um, – Kevin, uh, help me. Previous oh, coach. Uh, Wilson. Sorry, Wilson. Thank Kevin. you, Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson regime. Um, so that's six. And, and, and I mean, Nebraska. I'm down, like, I'm going to say four. Yeah. So that's too small. I just listed seven. That wouldn't surprise me if we include Nebraska, too. The other seven, not all seven will leave. So, yeah, we'll say like five. I'll say five. It's weird because I can't even see the five right now, but I know you're right. Right. Just uh, the other seven that wouldn't as be as surprising. We'll say four or five of them leave. Well, that's pretty good, actually. I mean, that was I was assuming seven, and then we list yeah. them out, and there are a lot more stable situations there than maybe uh, I thought initially. Daniel Rader asks a funny question, but it's also a hell of a question, and I laughed out loud, uh, so I have to read it now. At Daniel Rader, ask PAPN, who is more to blame for the poor perception of the Big 12, Kansas or Texas? The answer is Texas. Yes. It's just fascinating, such as college football. The answer is Texas. I don't even think we need to really elaborate, but no. No, it's a re- really good, that's the question of the week right there. Um, another one staying in the Big Ten. Uh, Connor Lee Smith says, "What comes first, Illinois winning the Big Ten West or Rutgers winning the Big Ten East?" Oh God, uh, has to be Illinois. Yeah, because they're I mean, in the just West. Has to be. Yeah, because I mean, you're not now. You're talking about a situation in which, like, right, and, n- and neither happens without a nuclear winter. So I was about to say we're talking about two things that won't happen. But <laughs> if one were to happen, it's Illinois in the West. Um, this question was asked to me, by the way, I just wanted to, to touch on it on the show, uh, at ingenious vest asked, 
Um, are we going to get an episode reviewing streaming options? I've used PSVU, Sling, Hulu TV, and now I have YouTube TV available. What seems to be the best for college football? Uh, I'm writing content for closer to the season. Jason has asked me to do that, and then we can touch on it on the show if we want to in a segment in an upcoming show. Um, the the spoiler alert on that one is I'm, I'm pretty much married to YouTube TV now, and everyone I know who goes over to YouTube TV says the same thing. So... Um, it used to, I mean, up until this last season, it really was, there were, there were five or six options that were about the same and you were kind of making sacrifices one or the other on the college football front of like what you were going to get. Did you, are you going to get the big 10 network? This package doesn't have pac 12. This package does have pac 12, but it doesn't have, you know, BN, So you can't see CBS sports network or whatever. It's all kind of evened out. And right now, if like you, if I, if you had to ask me and, and just pick one to recommend, I'm recommending YouTube TV. That seemed to be um, kind of a consensus within Slack, so that's what I'm going to go with, too. Uh, here's, a, here's a question since we're talking Big Ten still. Uh, yeah. Nick Juskowitz at Nick Juskowitz uh, on Twitter. Uh, SBN underscore Bill C. That's me. Bill has mentioned the bottom of the Big Ten is worst in P5, and I'd normally agree. However, outside of Illinois and Rutgers, I'm not sure who else falls into that category anymore. Purdue improves. Second year for Fleck at Minnesota. Better injury luck for Maryland. Thoughts? Um, yeah, there's a chance, but let's put it this way. Minnesota hasn't improved yet and Maryland hasn't (laughs) improved or had better injury luck yet. Um, so, you know, there, there are things are looking up. I would say aside from Illinois, even Rutgers is, I think improving Illinois is just waiting for talent to show up that they, they don't have yet. Um, but there is a chance that the bottom of that conference improves last year though. I mean, last year, Nebraska was included in the bottom of the big 10. Nebraska was terrible for a good portion of the season. And I don't think, I think Scott Frost will get them organized and better. They're still going to have like a freshman quarterback and a brand new defense that was horrendous last year. So I don't really see them suddenly being amazing this year. Um, But yeah, that's what, what we can say is that things are looking up. I will also say that generally speaking, we don't see like as bad as some of those teams were. It was like you, you can never predict a power five team being as bad as like Illinois Rutgers and even Nebraska were last year. So we don't usually see situations bottoming out the way they did last year. Uh, and it could still happen, but no, sure. It's, it's looking up. Bryson Diller at Dill the Trill. How would have adding UH and Memphis or Cincy altered the landscape of the big 12 if they were accepted in? Big question, Bryson. Um, the, the one thing that sticks out at me now, we've talked about this a lot. Um, it's something I'm going to be writing about this fall. But um, you know what kind of I've been thinking about lately was why why not Memphis just to kind of throw an elbow at the SEC? Because you could put – and I understand from a facility standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a campus standpoint, like there's a lot lacking with Memphis. There's potentially some promise there, but there's a lot of work in front of them, and they're not they they were not well organized throughout the years. Yeah, you know, they want to blame people and bias and all this kind of stuff against against Memphis and the old Memphis State jokes, or whatever. Like they just did not get their shit together to to make a compelling argument. However, throwing Memphis into the Big Twelve, Memphis, who is just kind of woke up and figured out how to really recruit a lot of the talent that sits in their backyard. But with these last two coaches, especially you, you, you see proof of concept in the football part for sure. Now, I mean, you're talking about a lot of money, stadium, stadium money, practice facility money, campus money. There's a lot you'd have to address. 
but putting Texas, Oklahoma, et cetera, in the Liberty Bowl, I, I don't under I don't understand why the Big Twelve didn't find that more appealing from a recruiting standpoint. Because you look, man, make no damn mistake. The <laughs> fact that the SEC can cross in and go to College Station, however many weeks a year it is now, like they love that. They really love that. It sure as hell wasn't so A&M could recruit Atlanta. All right, let me say that. Yeah, and I mean, A&M, obviously we're not, it's not completely equitable there, but it would have been an interesting concept. I think like it just, it, any two of those three, not necessarily since last year, but the biggest thing the Big 12 has going for it right now is that the middle class is enormous in that like nine programs, at least eight programs out of 10 Baylor's kind of in flux still, but eight of those 10 programs, basically their fan bases are thinking like, yeah, we can, we can be top 20 this year. And, and they're not all of them are right, but uh, number two through eight is very, very packed together. Um, and you had Houston in there, it'd be two through nine Add add Memphis in there. It'd be two through 10 um, Cincinnati. Again, like they, they're, he has a little bit some issues to clean up there but he's recruiting like a big 12 team kind of like i'm i i he he out recruited at least a couple of big 10 uh, big 12 teams last year and that was without the draw of a p5 so i mean those it, it wouldn't have added a national title contender unless you want to connect the dots on like houston gets added tom herman doesn't leave he starts recruiting top 15 or 20 classes every year then sure mm-hmm. maybe we get there but it would have been an even like it, their strength is depth and it would have added more depth. Maybe that's not enough, but um, it would have been an, an even more ridiculous conference. It's going to be a bloodbath this year. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. Even if, even if OU is the only national title contender, um, it's going to be a really fun conference this year. Not just because, you know, points. Also would have added to uh, NCAA tournament teams, basketball. Yeah. I just realized that. If you add Houston and Cincinnati and then Memphis is like bizarrely down in basketball, but that's, you know, that's gotta be temporary. I would really, really assume that that's, that's temporary. Um, I don't know. I was on record saying they probably should have done it to build some stability and to be a little bit more forward thinking about how you brand that conference outside of the traditional Texas borders, but they didn't want to. And, I mean, maybe, maybe they they end up right all along. Maybe they survive the next round of realignment. Maybe they had like Arizona and no. Arizona state or whatever, but you think that you think that a PAC 12 team is going to leave for the big 12. That's, you know, that's what they're hoping anyway. Um, and, and I mean, let's not pretend the PAC 12 is a big, a big, happy family right now. Either. But, no, also, so I mean, but like, here's, so here's my argument back. Like, all right, let's say you, you poach both Arizona schools to go to 14. What did that give you? geography it didn't give you los angeles what does that give no, you I, no i was that was just i know that that's you know that, that's what big 12 fans a lot of them are saying right now and so basically like yeah maybe everything works out pie in the sky like they want it to and maybe we end up being that you know having to say here in another five years like we were way wrong about their prospects and everything but um i i still would have expected i'm always going to feel pretty good about second guessing the big 12's decision making as an organization <laughs> never really going to lose a lot of sleep over that um there is a ton of questions left we still have a good amount of time uh, we need to wrap so. up i need to go get the uh, i need to go uh, grab a birthday lunch for uh mrs bill c here soon soon so we gotta- is it her birthday today it is uh mrs godfrey's birthday was yesterday I, we saw that on instagram yeah i don't think i think we i think I, I, this I point last that. year we, 
we were saying, hey, our their birthdays are close, and then I completely forgot until yesterday. Um, there's two questions about App here. Um, the first one is at one dishwasher. Should Penn State be worried about App State? And then somebody else in the mentions, and I'm going to talk really slowly. Oh, that's the same person. One dishwasher also asked. Um, uh, of all the coach profiles, how come more aren't written about Satterfield? Um, I'm gonna, he hasn't left yet. I'm going to try and rectify that. Uh, one. And two, um, should they be worried, Bill? No, but it'll be well, good. App State is an extremely high floor team. So if you are Georgia last year um, and you just have too much talent, mm-hmm. uh, then they are not going to be a problem. But they, but App State forces you to play well is, is what it comes down to. And if you don't, then they're going to be they're going to make your life miserable. It's going to be like that Tennessee game two years ago. They're not going to make mistakes, and you are, uh, and it's going to be closer than you want. If you can just out athlete them, uh, then there's no problem. And so basically, like it comes down to like if you if you think that uh, Ricky Ronnie is going to do just fine at Penn State and replacing Moorhead, and I mean. I've t- I know a lot of coaches love Ricky Ronnie. Um, th- you know, we'll see. You never know until you actually get the job. I was impressed with what he did against Washington, but that was one game. But if you think Penn State's offense is still going to be really good um, with McSorley and whoever else, then it's probably not a game you need to worry about. But if there are glitches, you know, you don't want to play them early in the season. And if, if you have any glitches, any uncertainty, they're going to take full advantage of it at least. Uh, this one came into me. But it feels like our listeners are just trying to will expansion into an off-season topic. Um, <laughs> Steve Gherkin asked, beside on-field performance, how much weight do other factors carry when determining the attractiveness of a conference expansion candidate? And then his second tweet, he says, examples, academics, media market, alumni base, location for recruiting, travel, logistics, attractive destination, et cetera. I'm a Tulane fan, and I feel like we check off all those boxes. But if the football performance isn't there, does it all become irrelevant? No, Steve. Look yes. at Rutgers. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just broke your argument, didn't I? Rutgers had been good within Rutgers five been years. Good for five minutes because of Shiano, who wasn't there. For who years. wasn't there. Okay, years, but okay. for five minutes in their history, who wasn't there when they expanded. Rutgers shows a really bad time to regress. Let's put it that way. The Big Ten, the Big Ten decided to make the least – Rutgers By far, the least football attractive expansion in the history of Rutgers expansions. had made bowls eight of nine years before when they were added, and they immediately went eight and five with a quick. Oh, come, dude! So is Bowling Green. I mean, maybe like Bowling Green isn't come New York's on. college football team. No, to Steve's point, it's a moving target. There's a ton of politics yeah, I, involved, and there is no. There is no resume that becomes inarguable unless you're one of 20 teams that aren't going to leave their conference. And I think it's what's really exciting right now is that we don't exactly know what the determining factors are going to be in five or so years when this becomes a big thing again. Like, and yeah. that, that's kind of cool, actually. But I do think, I mean, Rutgers is obviously the stretch here. Uh, but I do think that, you know, Missouri isn't in the SEC right now if they hadn't been really good in 07 and 08 and 10, right? Um, you have to have had, you have to have at least kind of as, as, uh, to use a Godfreyism proof of concept, you have to at least have a little bit of proof of concept of what you could become. Um, and, and so, I mean, that's, it, it is part of the equation and, you know, I, I think we all agree that, you know, Tulane's going to be pretty good this year. Their schedule is murder, but they're going to be pretty good this year. And, uh, maybe that kind of hints at a different future for them, but we'll see. 
I would say this to Steve, um, things that you could work on to improve attractiveness. It's less about the football product and it's more about the base passion because they're going to be critical of a private school in new Orleans that has a particular boutique kind of appeal and boutique fan base. Um, shout out to my features editor, Nate Scott, who edited the, um, crooked letter story. He's a Tulane alumnus from Maine. If that gives you any kind of calibration on what your average Tulane fan is, who, who they are. Um, I would work on, showing up in mass and being able to say, Hey, we go to road games in the thousands. That's the kind of stuff I would yeah. work on stuff. You can, which is, you know, ginning up support locally and then getting people together to go to road games. is actually something you can control versus some of the things that you as a fan cannot control. So hopefully that makes you feel better. Yeah. Um, By the way, Tulane's the list of like, um, rich Tulane alumni really is impressive. I, when I, I visited down there when we were uh, in new Orleans and I mean, it was like, who was it like the blanks or, you know, the, so a lot of families contributed to that new stadium and those new facilities that are there. A lot of families that you would recognize, um, but you're still landlocked. You're still very high in an academic uh, capacity for good and bad. Uh, and it's still going to be kind of tricky to really stand out enough. I think. Uh, all right. Ingenious I'm, vest. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I got one more. Go all right. Ingenious vest sneaks back in there. SPA pin more likely weird repeat upset. Michigan State beats Michigan or Auburn beats Alabama. Michigan State. Uh, weirder that Auburn beats Alabama, more likely that Michigan State beats Michigan. Sure. No, maybe backwards, actually, that I think about it. Michigan's going to be better. Right. Yeah, I think it would be weirder that if Michigan State. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm changing my answer. Michigan State would be weirder for sure. And, and more likely. It's kind of, I think we could go with both for uh, Michigan State there. They are in Michigan State. <laughs> All right. Um, so to, we, we do have a subreddit now. Uh, like we said, reddit.com backslash r backslash PAPN. Uh, we got a few you questions. You can actually just Google r backslash PAPN and it'll take you there. Yeah, that's true. Um, we did have a question that I kind of enjoyed from Remix951. Uh, Moneyball and college football revisiting a core idea of PAPN. I love this because he linked to an old episode that I'd forgotten about. Um, one of my favorite episodes is number 32, Moneyball and College Football. Uh, Bill and Godfrey had assigned homework to their listeners. Talk about a hard job and how you'd go about winning there. This was in 2016, and the schools featured in the episode were Georgia Tech, ULM. I don't remember that at all. Hawaii, Army, nope. Wyoming, Fresno State, and a myriad of other schools sprinkled in. Some of these schools haven't changed much, but the college football landscape has changed quite a bit in only two years. Did we predict that Jeff Tedford was going to set Fresno State back on fire? Because I want to take credit for that shit. I highly doubt it, but sure, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to go back other than him. No, nobody's going to go back and actually listen. So, yes, we absolutely predicted that. We did. Uh, especially in 2016, a uh, year before he was hired. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. We just we looked out at that job and said, you know, the next person that's going to be hired is going to have – He's going to be uh, Jeff Tedford, and he's going yeah. to be awesome. We Power said, five experience. We ignite the passion. Uh, so knowing, uh, okay. knowing that many of us listen because of our peculiar interest in the tougher schools, <laughs> going back to the whole, we only talk about three and nine teams. Uh, who do you keep your eye on and how would you make their situation better? If you ha were handed the reins. Oh, man. Now that I think about it, this is a question we should have thought about instead of me just springing it out there. I mean, it's an entire podcast almost like yeah. if you, I mean, we, we could go about taking one school and literally breaking down our, our plan to fix it. Um, you know, I'm still on that list. Still <laughs> one of the toughest jobs in college football. Um, Kent state. Um, I love, well, we just talked about that last week, so I won't go into detail, but I love them actually ch trying to change your identity a little bit. I mean, I think it's it, all, all PAPN jokes aside. 
it's it is a more interesting conversation in my opinion to do the basement dwellers the of the power five yeah to me it's a harder to me it's a harder task you can look i mean look at the sea change that happens annually in the mac right your worst situation in the mac is still is still better than your worst situation in the big 10 yeah i mean i think part of the reason we talk about these schools is, is it is like I, according to iTunes, we have done 181 episodes of podcast day played nobody. Um, that's a lot. Wow. And if we were just talking about Alabama, well, you have, I, I, I ducked out. That's right. You've only done like 172 or something. Um, but like if we were to congratulations, just Cal Ripken, Alabama and Oklahoma and Texas and like 12 schools, it gets so boring. So we talk about the mm-hmm. other things because we talk about this stuff every single damn week, except for like three. Also, episodes. it's not like we don't talk about Alabama and Florida and stuff. Yeah. We, we also get accused of just being all for show and only talking about the big schools like late in the season too. So, uh, you know, there's that, but off season can't win. Me. Can't win. No, off season. Why the hell would we spend any more time than we have to talking about Alabama, knowing that we're going to be talking about Alabama during the year? Here's the deal: if you can correctly answer this question, you're going to get a job as an athletic director, <laughs> at least in the Power Five. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about turning something around and creating a moment at ULM or a moment at, um, it's the worst team in the uh, uh, maybe New Mexico pre Bob Davy option. UTEP. Yeah, UTEP. That's a great example. Or New Mexico State before what happened, like. By the way, when the show stretches into hour two, that's when the almonds come out. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta run up to this. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Bill, I think we should dedicate an off-season show to this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's turn this around and offer homework. Tell us what, while we're gone. Think about a school. Think about how you would fix them, and we'll take we'll compare notes. And I'll be honest, I'm just as interested right now in Texas. I'm just as interested right now. <laughs> no, I am in Michigan. I'm just as interested right now in how Washington is doing this. Like it's not. Remember, Clemson was a joke. Clemson's my pick to win the national title this year, and Clemson was a joke. Like a joke, like a literal freaking joke, a verb. Okay, so not everything is static. Once upon a time, the NCAA did investigate Alabama. Like. You know, it's not just the bottom dwellers. There are blueprints all over, but uh, I know we tend to focus on like the the bad news bears type situation. So, uh, Bill, yeah, we try to leave them with a full plate. I yeah. think we accomplished that. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks uh, as soon as we have a firm schedule laid out after the fourth. It will definitely be after the fourth of July. So please have a good holiday. Please have a happy holiday. Please enjoy the warm weather and the late nights. I do find that putting a three-year-old to bed uh, when it is bright and sunny at like 745 is next to impossible. But um, I also uh, would rather deal with that minor inconvenience than I would um, the crippling fear of death and destruction that occurs in uh, like like January 20th is when I want to murder everybody. So very happy that it's summer. Very happy that we're – going to take some time off so we can come back and be energized and be a little bit more forward facing about the 2018 season. Yes. Anything else we want to leave them with? It was a good year. It was a good cycle. We had fun. We, the audience grew. We, uh, we are very impressed that people continue to want to listen to us and we've got some interesting projects in the works, I think. Yes. So between side projects, that are going to incorporate PAPN and some minor PAPN revisions, as well as a groundswell of support 
basically I'll put it this way. A lot of you guys have joked, hey, you never updated the logo. Where's the music at? We didn't have the the equity, which really just means the listenership numbers, the hard listenership numbers to to kind of push for that internally. But we're getting there. Um, so we haven't forgotten about anything. We still want to do a bunch of cool stuff. I think it was awesome. I made a joke in a Reddit AMA about we don't have a PAPN Reddit and Fullcast did. And within two seconds, it existed. <laughs> so I will put this fan base up against anybody's. It's a tight community. We do appreciate it. Again, uh, I, I joke that we opened up to ask PAPN as, as sort of the primary segment of the offseason because we didn't have anything else to talk about. I think if you listen to the show, you know that's a joke. Bill and I can vamp on pretty much anything. We, we just got really good questions. We really do enjoy letting you guys steer the ship. Um, the structure will be dictated, obviously, as we get closer to the football part of football season uh, by said football results thereof. Uh, only thing I can tell you right now, Sunday show is definitely coming back in the season. So the S&P Plus breakdown of the top 20 will definitely be happening. Um, and then the rest is sort of up for grabs as to the formatting throughout the week. So if there's anything you absolutely do or don't want, um, we may end up using that Reddit as a good place to kind of create a sounding board for the for the week-to-week formatting that we use in the fall. Um, we have to go and talk to our bosses about how we're going to do this, how long the episodes are, how frequent they're going to be. But we're not going anywhere. We love y'all. Um, have a good summer vacation. Indeed. <laughs>